Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Soft Life Baddies. Happy Tuesday or happy whichever day that you are joining in and listening to the conversation. So I am in the studio right now. We have a rainy night. So if you hear some raindrops in the background, um, those are the vibes right now. We're working with it. I got my tea, got my candle, incense. So it's good vibes here. This week, we are going to be sharing a lot of new updates. So number one, we are going to be a guest feature on the Being Black podcast hosted by... Camille Smith, who you may know from TikTok and Instagram. So that episode is going to be dropping later this week. So stay tuned. If you are already part of our newsletter, you will be the first to know when all updates are shared, any news, any events that we're having, any features we have, we'll always share on, on the newsletter. So be sure to sign up for our newsletter on our website. Last week's topic was all about your 2023 glow up guide. So this was a step-by-step guide on how to really embrace this new year energy that we're having. It's spring, it's March, it's a new month. I think a lot of people are feeling a sense of relief from this new season. I've been noticing it just with the interactions I've had with people recently this week. I feel like people are more hopeful for what is ahead, what's in store for the future. And I love that. I love that we can still get excited about the new year. We can get excited about our goals or what we want to accomplish in the year, despite the challenges that we might have faced. So definitely check out that episode if you're looking for a way or you're looking for a step-by-step guide and how to approach the new year with ease and with softness. And this week's topic is all about people-pleasing. We're going to be talking about some of the ways that you can be more aware of people-pleasing tendencies in your life, but we're also going to be talking about how to be a recovering people-pleaser. And as someone myself who's dealt with people-pleasing for a very long time, I've learned that people-pleasing is not the way to go. People-pleasing is not the way to have healthy relationships in your life or healthy friendships. People-pleasing is actually the behavior in which a person puts the needs of others above their own. So let's dive deep deep into people-pleasing and talk about what is being a people-pleaser versus being somebody who's empathetic or being somebody who's really compassionate and thoughtful. So people-pleasing refers to the behavior of prioritizing the desires, the needs, and the opinions of others over your own. And often it's at the expense of your own well-being or your values even sometimes. So people-pleasing goes against your boundaries that you naturally have. It forces you to neglect yourself, essentially. And people-pleasers are often mistaken as people who are kind-hearted or super generous, super thoughtful. But in reality, they might just really struggle with establishing and maintaining boundaries with other people. People-pleasers also tend to avoid conflict and strive to make other people happy, sometimes to the point of sacrificing their own interests or their authenticity. 
They also might fear rejection or disapproval from others, and they might seek validation through pleasing them or satisfying them or pretending to agree with them in various situations. While it's important to consider someone else's perspectives and feelings, constantly prioritizing others' feelings, emotions, their needs above your own can lead to feelings of resentment. It can lead to feelings of exhaustion and it can overall just take away your self-esteem. So let's talk about people pleasing. Let's talk about why do we people please? How do you know if you're a people pleaser? And I'll start with myself. I used to be such a people pleaser when I was in a teenager, when I was um, in my early 20s. I didn't think this was a bad thing at the time because I had always been taught to put other people above myself. And I'd always been taught to think of other people just as much as I think of myself. And I think part of the values of being someone who was raised in a Christian household, you are taught to be very compassionate. You're taught to always think of other people, even in terms of community service. That's something that my family was really big on and still is to this day, very big on always looking to see how you can help other people and making sure that other people are comfortable and satisfied. And I think that's great. I think that's a beautiful part of coming from a communal family. And when I say communal, I mean that the value system that I was brought up with being Ghanaian and being West African It's all about the collective. You're not really thinking about yourself as an individual. Everything is for the greater good of the collective, of your family, of your neighborhood, of your village, of your community. Everything is about the collective. So it was not odd for me to think about other people or if I made a decision that I thought only affected myself, I was always taught to think big picture and look at how it also affects everyone around me. And while I think that's definitely helped me to be very self-aware and very community-oriented, it has also led me to neglect myself in some areas. And when it came to the way that I neglected myself, I say that what was most prominent and what was most visible was the way I showed up in my friendships. Because, you know, your girl, she didn't didn't really have uh, too much of an exciting or existent dating life (laughs) in my teenage years or honestly up until my mid-20s. And prior to that, I really was just super focused on school. I was really focused on just getting good grades, passing my tests, doing well. So my self-sacrificing showed up in my friendships. And the way I would do this is if my friend needed me to do something or needed support or needed me to be there or or do a favor, I would say yes. I was the person that was saying yes. I was constantly saying yes to people. I was constantly being the person that you could turn to, rely on. Oh, you need someone to talk to at 3 a.m.? I'm, I'm your girl. Oh, you need someone to help you move and do this task that's going to take hours. Okay. I'm your girl. Like I was always that person. And I just thought I was being a good friend. I'm like, you know, I'm such a good friend. I prided myself on that. I prided myself on being available. I prided myself on being somebody that was very reliable, very responsible. I loved those characteristics of me. I thought it was great. 
And then I slowly realized that not only was I not getting any of that back, like all of that energy and output that I was putting, <laughs> there was no, it was not reciprocated. It was not mutual. So I think that learning how to set boundaries and learning how to create space for myself in a healthy way without having to sacrifice my own well-being, my own needs, that has helped me to learn the difference between being a good person or being someone who's reliable and honest and and reliable, responsible, all those great things. It's helped me to separate some of those characteristics in a healthier way. I think also people pleasing can show up in our careers as well. And when you become the people pleaser at work, you might find yourself working very late at night. You might find yourself working on weekends. You might find yourself very spread thin. And if you are thinking about what your workload has been lately at work, is it evenly distributed across your team? Does everybody feel the same amount of pressure that you feel at work or is it just you? And if it is just you, consider the fact that you might be taking on way too much of a workload that you can actually maintain, or you might be saying yes to too much without exercising or stating what your boundaries are. So I've done this. I've been guilty of this in my first role, my very first role, fresh out of grad school. I had the responsibility of designing this entire recruitment program. Hold on, y'all. I'm going to grab some tea. I have the Moroccan mint tea right now from Trader Joe's and it's so good. So looking at how I was showing up at my first job and being very available, wanting to do anything to impress my supervisor, wanting to do everything to impress my director, wanting to be the person that stood out. And I literally tried so hard to be outstanding. I tried really hard to be high achieving in that role and it was not appreciated. In fact, as I've shared before, I ended up quitting this job after only eight months because of how undervalued I was. But for a lot of other reasons as well, it was not a healthy work environment for me. But I say all that to say that you can be a people pleaser at work and you can assume that this is just something that you're supposed to do and it's part of your job. And while obviously there's going to be some things that you are responsible for doing, it should not be on only you to carry the workload of your entire team. It should not be only you to carry the workload of the people that are also hired to this to do the same job that you're doing. So I've learned to create boundaries and space, especially in the workplace if you really are struggling with this, I definitely recommend checking out our episode on taking up space at work, dealing with toxic jobs, because we share a lot of insight and we share a lot of tips and information on how you can start to create more space and show up at work for yourself in a way that's healthy and promotes your well-being. Another way that I've learned to separate and create boundaries for myself with becoming a more of a recovering people pleaser is learning what I know as discernment and discernment. If you are someone who is spiritually inclined, you'll know that discernment is often talked about in spiritual or religious settings as having the power, having the the ability to 
have such a really sharp intuition that you're able to tell what is for you and what is not for you. And you're also able to distinguish situations and environments and people that are potentially harmful, as well as what God or your your guides are helping you to to see and to visualize. So this is something that my mom has always told me that I have what she says, a spirit of discernment. And I definitely agree. I think I've learned so much over the years about discernment and how to have a sharper intuition. And that really comes from trusting yourself, but you can't trust yourself if you don't give yourself time to develop a relationship that is built on prioritizing your well-being. So everything goes hand in hand. So let's talk about some of the signs and patterns of a people pleaser. There's actually quite a few. It's more than just wanting to be available. It's more than just wanting to say yes to everything or everyone. Some of the signs and patterns of being a people pleaser are pretending to agree with everyone, even if you disagree. So maybe you're at a party, you're at work, and someone's talking about a movie that you just saw and you hated the movie, but everyone else loved it. That that in that moment, as, as small as it may seem, if everyone's talking about how much they love and they're like, oh, what about you? And you say, oh, it was great, but you hated it. Why are you pretending? Why are you not being honest and just saying, actually, it wasn't really for me. I, I wasn't too crazy about it. You know why? Because when you do that, you're creating very small, tiny moments, even though they might be really frivolous. You're creating small moments of friction. You're creating small moments of of tension where people have to perceive you or they are perceiving you different or opposite than how you're presenting or different or opposite of what they had in mind. So when you do that, you're kind of creating an opportunity or a slight possibility for somebody to dislike you. You know, for some people, if you utter that you don't like an artist that they love or there's a musician that they love and you don't like them or a sports team that they love and you don't like, people will literally not talk to you. There's some people that if you talk shit about their basketball team or their football team and you tell this to their face, they will not speak to you because they feel very strongly about that. So knowing that you have the possibility of having a different opinion than someone will require you to be honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. And for a people pleaser, that's really hard to do. Another sign and pattern of someone who's a people pleaser is feeling responsible for the feelings of other people. So when you constantly feel responsible for why you're if for the reason why somebody is, is sad or somebody is upset or someone feels angry without them even actually expressing it to you or asking you to intervene, it's not your responsibility to micromanage other people's feelings. It's not your responsibility to micromanage the reactions of other people who have the capability to communicate for themselves. And when you remember that and you realize that as adults, part of the growth process of being an adult is being able to take up space. It's being able to speak to other people and speak for yourself in a way that is clear, that is transparent, that is honest, you leave people to do that. That's their responsibility. It's not your responsibility to micromanage their feelings. 
And when you are a people pleaser, it can be really easy to want to micromanage someone's feelings or want to prevent or mitigate when they are feeling a negative emotion towards you because you don't want them to hate you or be upset with you. But again, that's not your responsibility. Another sign and pattern of a people pleaser is feeling overwhelmed or burdened by your task. I used to feel like this all the time. And it was almost always because not that I actually had a lot of things to do it was because I was saying yes to everything and everyone. If a friend had invited me out to dinner, I was there. If another person had invited me to go to an event, I was there. If a family member needed me to drop everything and help, I was there. Didn't matter what it was. I was just always available and I was feeling overwhelmed by the amount of responsibilities that I had until I realized that I need to prioritize my own needs before I start saying yes to everyone else. Another pattern and sign of someone being a people pleaser is apologizing even when you don't need to or you don't want to and also not being able to say no to other people even when it's inconvenient. So when you apologize, if you're that person that's always like, oh, sorry, 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 and someone has even told you to your your face, hey, you don't need to say sorry. There's no reason to apologize. Take a step back and evaluate and see if this is something that happens out of habit or if this is something you're subconsciously doing because you feel like everything is your fault. You find, again, that you are responsible for the feelings of other people, that you're responsible for every little thing that happens to you or for you. And I think it's really important to distinguish what you have cause and effect over versus what is the result or circumstance of someone else's doing or a collective circumstance or result of what is a pattern or behavior of something else. Saying no when uh, you not being able to say no, even when it's inconvenient is also a huge sign that someone might be struggling with being a people pleaser because when you can't say no or you cannot learn how to even take a pause or even tell someone that, hey, I I don't know about this. I actually think I'm going to think about it and I'll get back to you. If you're not able to do that because you are riddled with the fear of being someone being angry with you or someone hating you for it, that is also an opportunity to take a step back and see where that stems from. A few other signs and patterns are that someone cannot, you cannot handle when someone is angry with you and you avoid confrontation. So when you cannot handle someone being upset with you, or you cannot handle someone not talking to you or cutting you off or or having an attitude with you. If you cannot handle those emotions and those reactions that we have sometimes as human beings and you blame everything on yourself, it could be rooted in that fear, in that people-pleasing pattern. And avoiding confrontation goes hand in hand with this because when you avoid confrontation or you agree to you pretend to agree with everyone around you, it's a lot easier to just go with the flow and avoid con- con- avoid confronting the issue at hand or being direct. It's a lot easier to do that when you are a people pleaser because 
you are not rocking the boat. You're not ruffling any feathers. However, when you do and when you are confrontational and you do run the risk of someone not wanting to agree with you or someone disagreeing with you or even being upset, that's because you're sticking up for your values. And if there is a reason for you to be angry, but you're choosing not to be angry or you're avoiding confrontation because you don't want to deal possibly with the the possibility of somebody being upset with you, that is an opportunity to dig deeper as well and see where that stems from. And a few other patterns and signs is depending on the validation of other people, not being able to make plans without the validation of other people, always asking an opinion for how you're going to do your hair or where you're going to go on vacation and not asking for research purposes, but asking because you want to make sure that you're doing what everyone else is doing and that you'll be accepted. And of course, adapting your personality to the people around you. That is one major way that people pleasers learn to exist in social settings and social circles is learning how to basically copy how someone else is acting. And I don't mean this in the way of masking, which I know that is something that a lot of folks who are neurodivergent will mask. And that is more of a survival skill, a social survival skill um, that allows people to pass through what's otherwise very uncomfortable situations with people who are neurotypical. Not speaking about that situation or that pattern of behavior in particular, really talking about someone who's aware that they have very distinct personality differences than someone else and choosing to show up inauthentically for fear of being judged or disliked. So now we know some of those signs of being a people pleaser. And if some of these things sound like you or somebody that you know, this is definitely a conversation that I would love for us to expand on. I would love to talk more about this in the comments, on DM, on Instagram, on TikTok, or on the podcast itself. I would love for you to dive deeper and have this conversation offline as well because people-pleasing can affect us very negatively. It is a form of self-sabotage. When you constantly compromise for the comfort of other people, you're not honoring yourself or your boundaries. And setting healthy boundaries is essential to developing a strong sense of who you are, a strong sense of self. It's setting healthy boundaries also allows you to develop your intuition and it lets other people know how we expect to be treated as well. So people pleasing as an adult can be related to childhood trauma that's unaddressed. And this trauma as a response, so this trauma response specifically is called fawning by psychologists. And this is essentially when in this in the field of childhood um, psychology or dealing with childhood trauma, when someone in their childhood or in their youth is presented with a traumatic experience or a traumatic environment, instead of them running away from the situation or instead of them choosing to fight or be defensive, this person will actually start to adopt the traits and characteristics of the person or the environment that hurt them. And fawning is this desired closeness to even the environments that hurt you. 
It's the desired closeness to the people that hurt you. And it is a complete depletion of who you are at your core. It's a depletion of who you are and your sense of self as a person. So people pleasing goes deeper than just wanting people to like you or wanting to be accepted or wanting external validation. A lot of times it is deeply rooted in childhood trauma and it's deeply rooted in unprocessed trauma as well. So if this is something that you feel like you identify with, this of course is not a diagnostic conversation. This is not to be meant to be diagnostic in any way, shape or form. This is just a conversation. This is a a spark. And if this is something that you have been thinking about, I'd encourage you to talk to a mental health professional. I'd encourage you to seek out counseling or another healing tool that's beneficial to you that could help you to dive deeper into this pattern behavior that you might have and learn more about the ways that you can unlearn it, essentially, unlearn instead of continuing this pattern of behavior just because it's what it's all you know at this time. So there are definitely some differences, some key differences between being an empath or being empathetic and being a people pleaser. And sometimes they can overlap those two characteristics of being empathetic and then being a people pleaser. But let's talk about being an empath first, because this is something I hear a lot. Oh, I'm just an empath. I'm just an empath. I feel everybody's pain. I feel I feel everything. I, I notice the change in someone's voice when they talk. I can I can tell when someone's upset with me. I can tell when someone is mad at me if they didn't put a punctuation mark at the end of their sentence when they're texting. It's because they're mad or if they take too long to text back, it's because they're mad at me. And there's just there's this idea that you are the one that's hypersensitive and you can feel everyone's emotions and you're just taking in all of this information emotionally without actually checking in and see if this is valid and what if this is actually what's occurring or this is you projecting how you feel towards somebody else based on what you what what you're feeling inside and and how This is affecting you mentally, physically, emotionally, how someone's silence or their lack of urgency in speaking to you or whatever the case is, how much that can affect someone who is a people pleaser. Because when you are looking for that external validation and you don't get it at all, in fact, you start to become stonewalled, that is a people pleaser's worst worst nightmare because now you're not getting any validation. You're not getting any response. And that's very soul crushing and painful. So an empath is actually a person who has a heightened sensitivity to the emotion and the energy of other people. So empaths are often highly intuitive and they might experience intense emotional responses to the people and situations around them. And while empaths might be inclined to help others and provide emotional support, they are not necessarily motivated by the desire to please other people. Instead, empaths actually feel a sense of, or they might feel a sense of responsibility to use their gifts to help others and make the world a better place, but not necessarily to please other people or make them satisfied or get them to externally validate them. An empath just has this internal inner knowing 
of emotions and is able to pick up on those slight changes in someone's voice or their energy, their body language or their aura, whatever it is. However, they're not necessarily using that information as a way to validate themselves. They're using that information to help other people. So it's more of an outward process versus an internal process. On the other hand, a people pleaser is someone who prioritizes the desires, the needs, and the opinions of other people over their own, often at the expense of their own well-being or their values. And so a people pleaser's motivation is different because it's not rooted in this highly intuitive, you know, really sensitive way of picking up on the slight nuances and the tiny little details of being around someone. A people pleaser might actually be motivated by fear or fear of rejection or disapproval from other people. And they have a desire to be validated and accepted by other people. So while people pleasers may also be very empathetic and very tapped in and tuned into the emotions of other people, their primary focus is making other people happy and not necessarily just helping them, actually making them happy. And even if that means sacrificing their own needs and desires. So I think it's important to frame this in a way and in a container that reminds you that being an empath or being a people pleaser, it's not inherently good or inherently bad. Both traits can be valuable in certain situations, but it's really important to recognize when being an empath or being a people pleaser can cause more harm than good because empaths may need to set boundaries and protect their own emotional well-being and people pleasers may need to work on to on developing a stronger sense of who they are and a stronger sense of self and prioritizing their own needs so both can be used in ways that are really helpful but also if left without any type of consideration or being able to check in and say is this serving me as well? If you're helping someone, if you're helping a friend, is it always going to be a situation where you're only, that person is only, the only one benefiting from the conversation, from the experience, from whatever it is? Are they the only ones that are benefiting or is it something that can benefit both of you? And there's some times when you cannot, something is not mutually beneficial and that's okay. Obviously, if your friend is going through a rough time, if they have just lost their job or they're going through a breakup or, you know, dealing with the loss of a loved one, those are situations where it will most likely require us to be selfless in order to support and really be there for our friend in the capacity that they may need us to be. However, that should not mean that you neglect who you are or you neglect your own needs or your own desires because you want to make someone else happy or you want to be a good friend to them. That is not okay. That's not healthy to drop everything that is important and meaningful to you because you want to satisfy someone or make someone else happy. And truly being caring, being generous, being empathetic, it should not and does not require self-sabotage. Saying no to someone in the moment, sometimes means saying sometimes that means saying yes to yourself. So in the moment you may be saying no to somebody, 
But that could be you saying yes to your future self. And that's okay. And the people who are actually healthy for you will understand and respect your boundaries without you having to compromise. The people who are here for you, the people who want to see you happy, who want to see you grow, who want to see you thrive, they will understand and respect your boundaries without you having to compromise who you are, without you having to compromise your value system. And that is the best part of showing up for yourself and not feeling indebted to everyone around you. And I think this even, this goes for for family as well. I think that with your family members and your relationship with your family can vary. I think you can be really heavily involved in your family and love them and and want to be with them and spend time with them. But it should not come at the expense of you also losing parts of who you are or compromising your your comfort, compromising your values, compromising your own well-being to make other people happy. And the older you get, I promise you, the easier it is to be just someone who prioritizes themselves. I, I really didn't think I would get to this point where I could say no to anyone, where I could say, that's not going to work for me, where I could say, actually, I'm not going to do that. Or I could say, no, as a full sentence. I didn't think I was going to get to that point because I'd been so it's been it it's not only been ingrained in me, but it's something that I struggled with because I didn't know how else to interact with other people unless it was something that was self-sacrificing. And I think remembering that you're not a bad person for putting yourself first. You're not a bad person for prioritizing your own well-being and your needs. And I think you can do this in a way that is still community centered. I think you can do this in a way that is still, practices compassion that practices empathy and it doesn't require us to completely abandon our values and what we need from other people as well as what we need from ourselves so let's talk about some ways that we can deal with people pleasing and how if you are someone who's a recovering people pleaser how you can show up more for yourself how you can start to take back control over your life and and not feel like every single thing that you do has to be for the benefit of someone else before it is for your own benefit. And these are just tips that I've used. These are all practices that I've used over the last 10 years. And it's helped me a lot. I obviously think that if you want to do a deeper dive and really want help with this, I encourage you to talk to your therapist or a counselor. But one way that I've learned to stop dealing with people pleasing is to remember how to set healthy boundaries as number one. And we've have talked about boundaries. We talk about boundaries all the time. The podcast episode we swapped that we did with Black Girl Flow podcast was about boundaries. So check that out. But Boundaries are, as we say at Sadie Baddies, boundaries are your emotional seatbelt and they protect you from harm. Setting boundaries is a crucial step in stopping people pleasing because when you learn how to say no, when something doesn't align with your values or when you don't have the capacity to take on a task, when you learn how to say no, you show up for yourself a little more and a little better every day. 
So when you learn how to set boundaries, also remember that your boundaries can be flexible. Way, what may be working for you right now as a boundary, maybe five years from now, it changes depending on your growth, depending on your relationship with the person, depending on what you need in that moment. And just remembering that boundaries are, it's okay for boundaries to be flexible, to change, for them to be fluid. They don't have to be so rigid and set in stone. And, you know, I had to set boundaries with family members before that are pretty much dissolved now. And I've had to set boundaries with friends that I don't need to set anymore. And it all comes from growth. It comes from learning. But remembering to set healthy boundaries and starting by setting boundaries in areas or situations that are low stake and gradually building up to more challenging boundaries. So for example, a low stake boundary would be something like your friend inviting you to something. And actually, (laughs) one of my friends just did this and I love that she does this all the time. And uh, if she's listening, she knows who she is. But one of my very good friends, I love her. She, if I invite her to something, she'll honestly be like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to have the energy for that. I'll get back to you and I'll let you know. And I'm like, girl, why can't everyone be as honest as you? Because it's so simple. It's just a simple exercise of saying, I, I'm going to check in with myself first and I'll let you know, I'll get back to you or having to, you know, maybe reschedule plans with a friend. And I think it's important to try to honor your, your plans and your commitments to other people. But if it's really infringing, if you have to go, if you said yes to a friend two weeks ago and right now two weeks looks completely different than what it did before, that's okay. But learning how to, to be flexible enough to learn when it's, it's okay to, to say, Hey, actually this is not going to work for me anymore. I'm going to check in with myself. And gradually, as you continue to set low stake boundaries, you can build up to boundaries that are a little bit more challenging, like maybe having to decide if you want to continue speaking to someone or maybe having to decide if you want to invite someone to your wedding or not. Those are challenging boundaries. And I think that the more we practice the low stake ones and we see how simple it can be to set those boundaries, it gives us the courage to set more and ways that are beneficial to us and are healthy for us. So another tip that I've used to help me with people pleasing is not over explaining myself when I do say no, or I say, I can't do this for you. I used to over explain. I used to be an over explainer. If someone invited me to something or a friend asked me to do something, I would say no. I Instead of me saying no, I'd be like, oh, well, I can't because I have to go to work. And then after work, I have to go to the grocery store. And then after the grocery store, I have to finish this this project. And then, you know, I'm not going to have time to wash my hair. And it, it would be this whole story. You don't need to give them the, the whole rundown. You don't need to give people a whole rundown of, of your explanations. You can just simply say, no, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to be able to come. Thank you for inviting me. It could be that simple. Or it could be something as simple as just not over explaining something to your supervisor or your manager um, at work and learning how to give enough information to someone or give enough of a response where they're able to understand exactly where you're coming from versus you having to over explain yourself. Because when you over explain yourself, when you have a tendency to over explain yourself, a lot of times it's because it's not 
that you need to share this information. It's this guilt. It's this guilt that you feel for saying no. And why do you feel guilty for saying no, especially when you need to say no? So learning how to not overexplain has helped me a lot. It's helped me to recover from that people-pleasing tendencies. Also, another way that I have learned that people-pleasing um, to be more mindful of people-pleasing is practicing um, self-care. And practicing self-care allows me to pour into myself. It's probably one of the few times during the week or the day or the month or whatever, how often or what type of self-care I'm doing because, you know, it's your, you have your daily self-care and then you have your weekly and you have your maybe your monthly appointments, whether it's a massage or whatever it is, a Reiki session, who knows. But my self-care days are really important to me and having self-care days allows me to prioritize my own needs and my own desires. It helps me to refocus on myself. And when I started taking my self-care more seriously and when I started taking my self-care to um, become more of my routine versus it just being something I do as a one-off, it allowed me to realize how valuable I am as a person and how important it is for me to pour into myself despite whatever situation am I in, despite what my social life looks like, what my romantic life looks like, it's really important for me to pour back into myself and do things that bring me joy, whether it's taking a bath, going for a walk, meditation, journaling, crying, whatever it is. It allows me to give myself back that time and it fills up my cup so that if I need to spill from my cup or I need to pour into other people, I'm not feeling so depleted. And I I've learned that when I feel resentful, when I feel just icky and I don't feel good about myself, I don't I don't feel full or fulfilled. A lot of times it's because I am pouring from an empty vessel. I'm trying to give what I don't even have for myself to other people. And I can't do that. I cannot be the person that I want to be if I'm constantly running on empty and then also giving on empty as well. So what I've learned how to do now is before I commit to a task for someone, I pause and I ask myself if I'm compromising too much. I ask myself before I say yes to anything or anyone, anything, I say, is this going to compromise my time, my energy and resources to a point of no return? And that sounds very dramatic, but sometimes you have to check in and you have to ask yourself, do I have the bandwidth for this? If it's midnight, if it's 1 a.m. and you are exhausted and you are ready to go to bed, are you going to be able to do a last minute favor for someone? Maybe you are. Maybe you can if you really need to and you have the bandwidth to. But if you're not able to, you have to learn how to prioritize your own well-being and your self-care and learn how to create that boundary for yourself. Another way that I've learned how to handle or deal with people pleasing is learning how to ask for help and learning how to receive help. And that is something that is really, really important in restoring my relationship with myself, restoring my relationship with my womanhood and leaning into my my feminine energy and being able to receive help has been really, really healing for me because as someone who 
prides themselves on as being independent, as being able to figure things out. Asking for help is so refreshing. It's so nourishing to yourself. And, you know, if you are a people pleaser, chances are you're helping people all the time. You're pouring into other people all the time. You're always that go-to person. You're reliable. Are you also asking people for help? You know, if you're the person that makes sure that everybody gets ready and when you go out, you're still doing everyone's makeup, you're making sure everyone looks cute. If you need someone to help you take your braids out at eight o'clock at night on a Friday night, do you have someone that you could call to help you? And I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's literally that simple. Do you have someone who if you were in the hospital, if you were sick or you needed groceries could you ask the same people that you're helping all the time can you ask that group chat hey i need help and if you can't then reconsider those relationships reconsider why it's so easy for you to extend yourself and go out of your way to help other people but you can't ask for help or you're not able to receive help from those people that was something that when i realized that i had certain people in my life especially my early 20s that I was not able to have a a mutual reciprocated relationship with. I learned that those individuals and those people were not serving my best interests. And they also were not people that I could rely on as much as they were relying on me. So it should go both ways. That's what a community is. A community is not one person giving all of their resources away. It's everyone sharing their resources amongst each other. So let's do a quick recap about people pleasing. So number one, remember that people pleasing is a form of self-sabotage. And also remember that just because you are an empath, it does not mean that you don't need to have your own boundaries as well. And number two, you do not have to sacrifice your own happiness. You do not have to sacrifice your own integrity, your own authenticity, your own values to appease other people. Sometimes saying no to someone means you're saying yes to yourself and that's okay. You're not a bad person for putting yourself first. And lastly, learning to people, not learning how to not people please is a process. It is a work in pro- progress. It's going to take you time, especially if you're someone who's been a people pleaser for years and years. It's probably going to take you a while to learn how to remove yourself from that type of mindset, how to hold space for yourself. It's going to take you time to be someone that puts themselves first and embody that main character energy that you may want, but you are just feeling like that is not realistic for you or that you're too far away from it, I guarantee you it's okay to be the person that also asks for help because when you ask for help, you are practicing self-preservation and self-preservation is a must. It's an absolute must. It is how we get to spend more time doing the things we love with the people we love. Self-preservation is not selfish. It is our birthright and we are here to take care of our mind, our body, our souls, our spirits, and do that in community with everyone around us, not just by ourselves for ourselves, but for each other as well. And yeah, I hope that this episode helps you. For all my recovering people pleasers, remember that you got this, we got this, we can do this, you're not alone, and leave a rating or a review on Spotify and Apple if you love this podcast, share this with 
your friends, with your your group chat, your family, people you love, people that you'd want this to you you'd want to hear this and i will see you next week stay soft to stay connected join sadie baddies on instagram pinterest twitter and more and sign up for our monthly newsletter on sadiebaddies.com to stay in the loop sending you hella love and stay soft baddie